Good morning and welcome to our morning service. My name's Tom, I'm part of the ministry team here at Bitterrocky Baptist Church and wherever you're joining us from, it's great to have you with us this morning. Um, we, we've, we've listened to the, the worship and now it's time to, um, to devote ourselves to spending some time with God, looking at his word and learning about how we can deepen and further our relationship with him. So before we do that, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning with hearts full of anticipation, looking forward to, to experiencing your Holy Spirit moving within us, prompting us, shedding light on the areas of our lives where, where we, can, we can draw nearer to you. Father, we give thanks that you are a God who longs to have a relationship with each and every one of us, not through a, um, a corporate representative, but instead through a personal and direct means. Father, you long for us to speak to you, to cry out to you. You long for us to, to celebrate our joys with you, but also to, to draw near to you and rest with you in our despair. So, Father, we, we all come to you this morning with, with different experiences of the past week, with different things going on in our lives and different, different hopes, different worries, different fears, different anxieties. But, Lord, we know that none of us, none of us come and surprise you. Every single detail of our lives is already known by you. You are the author of creation. And so, Father, we pray that we can put all those things aside this morning, that we can put all of the distractions of the world around us to one side and instead focus purely upon you and what you are saying to us this morning. So bless us, we pray, Lord, and be with us through your spirit in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. So for many of us, we are looking forward. We are looking forward to the new season because it's been a funny old year, hasn't it? And slowly but surely, things are starting to happen. We all, we all look forward, I hope, to the day that church can reopen, the day that we can worship alongside each other again. And although that may still be some time away, the day will come. And I can assure you that at the moment there is loads and loads of work going on in the background to make that happen and to make sure that that day happens as quickly as it possibly can. But until it does, let us remind ourselves that we worship an unchanging God. We worship a God who is the same today as he always has been and he always will be. He is not subject to any pandemic, he is not subject to any restrictions or guidelines or lockdown. He is a God of freedom, a God of openness and a God who cares about you and about me. And so we can look back at scripture and we can look back at our relationship with God knowing that even when we read the account of creation, all those thousands of years ago, whenever it was, whether you believe it was, it was a, a few thousand years ago or a few million years ago, we're not going to explore that today. But whatever your particular stance on that subject, we can look back and know that God was the same then as he is now. It's not like we're looking back at the life of, of, a, of a child who, who grew in understanding and knowledge and wisdom, we're looking back at an unchanging God. And so it's important, isn't it, that when we read the creation story, 
we look for things that we can apply to our life today. The thing I want to focus on today is the theme of Sabbath. And the reason for that is that this coming week is our week of prayer. And um, on Monday morning, you'll, you'll all receive via the, the church email account, um, some of you will get it in the post as well, um, a, a list of the prayer topics for each day with a, with a commentary um, outlining what we as a church feel that we should be praying about. And you'll notice it's seven days long and every day has its own subject. And on Saturday, so it's next Saturday, the topic is Sabbath. And it's a very, very short prayer guide for that day. Because what we want to do is, is not, not dictate to people what Sabbath means to them, but instead encourage each one of you to explore what Sabbath means for you personally, how you execute Sabbath in your life. You see, for some people they would say that Sabbath is an Old Testament ritual, something which is outdated and no longer part of the Christian life. But that's not true. You see, what we're going to do this morning is go back Genesis, start in the beginning and look at why Sabbath came about and what it means for us today. So if you've got a Bible with you, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. You'll find it at the front of the Bible. In fact, it's the very first chapter of the whole Bible. And this is the account of creation. This is the biblical account of how how this world around us came into being, how these trees grew up, how these how this water appeared, how the, 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 the creatures on the water and in the water and the stars in the sky that we can't see at the moment because the sun's out and the sun itself and the heavens and the earth and everything was created. This is this is the biblical narrative of creation. And it took place in just six days. And when we read Genesis chapter 1, we, we read about God separating the light from the darkness, the, the heavens from the earth, the land from the water. We read about him creating the, the vegetation and the trees and the plants and the seeds and the pods and everything that was going to grow on the land. We read about him flinging stars into space and creating the sun and the moon and, and putting all the planets in the right place and balancing the, the universe, the solar system, the galaxy, everything that we see in the night sky. Then we read about him creating the animals that were going to inhabit the earth. And then finally, he creates mankind. And in every day, we are told, there was the morning and there was the evening. And then the day came to an end. And after six days, the world has been created and life has been created. Again, you can take that as a literal literal time period or you can you can explore other theories we're not going to go there today but we're going to stick with with what scripture says that for those six days God worked and worked and worked he created he designed he imagined and and he he brought to life all these different things and by the end of it the world was created six days that's a lot of work to achieve in six days And so maybe it comes as no surprise that at the start of chapter 2, we read in verse 2, By the seventh day, 
God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So you see, the first Sabbath didn't come about because all the work was done. God said, great, six days, bish bash bosh, the whole thing's done. I can put my feet up, I can chill out, I can have a holiday, I've earned it. It wasn't that. It was that God actually stopped, looked back at the six days' work, appreciated it, enjoyed it, took satisfaction from it. But there was still work to come. And he rested. Now, God is a God who never stops working. Just because the sun goes down on our part of the world doesn't mean that that God takes a nap. It doesn't mean that he stops working. Of course, God is, is always with us. God is always everywhere across the whole globe. He's omnipresent. But he takes this day of rest. He takes this day to stop focusing on work and instead to focus on rest. And what's the purpose of it? Well, it's not just leisure. It's not just to do a bit of DIY around the house. Instead, he made it holy. He made it holy. God blessed the seventh day. And so when we talk about Sabbath, we're talking about a day that is, that is God-ordained, that is blessed by God and made holy. It's a holy day for us to, to spend. Now, we talk a lot about being created in God's image. At the, towards the end of, of Genesis chapter 1, we read, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are created in the image of God. And we can, we can take that to mean that physically we are, we are made to look like God. Well, when we look around at the diversity of, of the population of the world, that doesn't quite add up. As we are well aware at the moment, there are different skin tones, there are different um, gene types, there are different makeups, there are different sexes. So we are not all an exact replica of God. But we are made in his image. Or at least Adam and Eve were made in his image. Now to be an image of something is a two-way relationship. We should want to maintain that image. God made us in in his image to be like him. But if we don't want to be like him, if we don't choose to to reflect that image, then, then we'll very quickly become a paler and paler and paler image of God. The first example that God set us was to work hard, be imaginative, be creative, make a difference in the world around us. And we often talk about those things. We often talk about about all the work that we can do. We often talk about the, the, the mission that lays before us, to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the words of Jesus. That's, that's not something we should take lightly or ignore. But, but... God also set us another example right at the start of creation and that was to rest, to rest in his presence, rest on a holy day. This idea quickly became embedded in the Israelite tradition. In fact, 
after they left Egypt when they were having a grumble and a groan. We read in, in Exodus 16 that God actually reminded them of the Sabbath. When the Israelites had come out of Egypt and were wandering in the wilderness and they were hungry and they were tired and suddenly they'd forgotten the, the oppression of, of 400 years of slavery in Egypt and they'd forgotten the miraculous release and all the, all the miraculous signs that, that Moses had, had, had demonstrated to Pharaoh because God had chosen Moses and called him out. They'd forgotten all that. And so they say, if only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You can imagine God was pretty upset by that. He was pretty hurt by that. His people, who he's just released from slavery, turn around and show no gratitude. Instead, they focus on on the empty stomachs. They don't have faith that God will provide like he had done recently. And so we see God sending manna, sending this, this, this wafer-like substance that, that sustained and nourished them. And he says, just take enough for one day. Every, every evening you'll get a fresh supply. Take enough for that day. But, but, on the sixth day, take enough for two days. Moses says to the Israelites, tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So the people rested on the seventh day. So before Moses has gone up to Mount Sinai, before he's, he's received the stone tablets with the law set out upon them, already God is reminding and reminding and reminding of the importance of having a Sabbath, a day of rest in his presence. And so the Israelites adopt it into their tradition. But then, of course, a couple of chapters later, we read about Moses going up to Mount Sinai. And we read of the commandments that God gave him. And in Exodus 20, verse 8, we read this commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's one of the Ten Commandments. It's up there with, with do not murder, do not have false gods, do not commit adultery. It's up there. That's how important it is to God that we, that we respect the Sabbath, that we respect the time that he has given us as a gift to spend with him this holy time you see it's all about relationship isn't it it's all about getting to know getting to know god so closely that that we are we become as one that we become closer and closer and closer to actually fulfilling that that reminder that we are made in his image 
well, we might have been made in his image, but do we live in his image? If we don't take Sabbath on a regular basis, then no, we don't. I saw in the news headlines this week that Strictly Come Dancing has started to name the lineup of minor celebrities that are going to be gracing the floor this, this coming season. And um, uh, I'm... I'm not a massive fan of Strictly. I can't say I've ever watched it. I know many of you will find that hard to believe. Many of you will become a massive part of your weekends in the in the weeks to come. Um, but I I I detest dancing. I can't stand dancing. Um, I I have I have this 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 morbid fear whenever we go to a party or something like that and there's a dance floor I make a beeline for the bar and I weld myself to it and I do I desperately try not to not to be drawn to the dance floor because when I try and dance I look like an octopus that's got a tentacle stuck in a socket I used to have an ex-girlfriend who um Whenever we went to a party or to a club she'd say come and have a dance come on come and have a dance and eventually I think oh all right and within about a minute, I could tell that something was wrong because her body language had changed. She'd gone from saying, come and have a dance, to going, <laughs> what are you doing? You look like an idiot. When you've had that sort of public humiliation a few times in your life, it, it, it has an effect on, on your, your passion for dancing. And so now I don't dance. I would not. It doesn't help that that ex-girlfriend is now my wife. Um, and she still does the same thing if ever I try to dance. But you see, I can't deny that when you watch a couple dancing and when you watch the way that they, that they flow, that they move, that they glide across the dance floor, that they, they just kind of work together and there's this unspoken understanding of, of what moves happens next and where your feet are going and all the rest of it, there is something incredible about that. It's a wonderful thing to watch. That's because they spend time together. That's because they, 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 they work together, they communicate together, they, they train together. And it comes to the point where they can second guess what one another are going to do. They know the routine. If we don't spend time with God, if we don't take Sabbath, if we don't spend that time focusing purely on him, we don't know the routine. We fall out of time, out of step. Before we know it, He's treading on our toes and we're feeling miserable. Or maybe he's over one side doing the waltz and we're trying to do a tango with the invisible man. It just doesn't work. If we don't spend time with God, then there is no relationship there. We just play lip service on a Sunday morning. And that's not what God wants. Because you see, we're very good, aren't we, at, at doing ourselves down, at thinking God wouldn't, wouldn't want to spend time with me. Look at all the problems in the world that he's, that he's sorting out. Look at all the people who, who are so much more worthy than me. He wouldn't want to spend time with me. But actually, you know what? He wants nothing more than to spend time with you. Because you are amazing. I am amazing. Every single one of us is amazing. Let's just take a look at Psalm, Psalm 8. Starting at verse 3, the psalmist writes, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. I mean, what a privilege. I mean, let's just stop a second and, and... and think 
about the words of that psalm. You and I are made by God in his image just a little lower than the heavenly beings and we are crowned with glory and honour. This is not talking about the end times. This is not talking about when we enter the pearly gates. This is talking about the here and now, the reality of who you are, of what God has made you. That's amazing. And so we have this tendency, don't we, to to forget that bit, to focus on, on our failings, to focus on how fallen we are to focus on how poorly we, we, we reflect the image of God in our lives. And we can really drive ourselves down into the dirt, but God doesn't want that. God created us just a little bit lower than heavenly beings. And this is why sometimes we need to, we need to consider the little habits that creep, creep into our, our language and our mindset. It's like if you're a musician and, and you play a duff note halfway through a song and afterwards you sort of say to someone, <laughs> I'm only human. Well, you're not only human, you're human. What about the thousands, the, the possibly millions of notes that you've played that have been absolutely perfect? The number of performances you've given where, where every single note you've played has been spot on and the timing's been perfect and it's moved people to tears. That's when, at the end of it, someone says, that was amazing, well done. That's when we should be saying, I'm human. Or maybe maybe you've you've baked 10,000 cakes in your life and and there's one occasion where the cake doesn't come out perfect and it's stodgy and it's flat and it's horrible. Rather than saying, I'm only human. Instead, no, let that one go. Because all the others, they're the ones where someone says, this is amazing, this is delicious. Well, I'm human. Because being human is a privilege. Being human means that we have been created by God. Means that as the psalmist says, we are just a little lower than heavenly beings. That God does care about us, despite the fact that he is is the author of all creation, of everything around us. He cares more than anything about you and about me. Because God is a God of love. He made us a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned us with glory and honour. He wants us, having put all that work into us, into each and every one of us, having created this, this life for us, he wants us to spend time with him regularly, so he can have a relationship with us, so he can listen to us, so he can communicate to us, so that we can come to understand one another, to see how one another are working in the world. You see, there's another reason why we need to take Sabbath regularly. If we don't take Sabbath regularly, then what happens is we don't communicate with God. We don't have that relationship. And so sin can break in. You'll see in the prayer guide this week a few statistics that I've I've researched recently. Um, So during lockdown, um, since, since March... The drinks industry have done some surveys and they found that over a third of adults in the UK have said that um, during lockdown they drank considerably more than they would normally drink. And the time of day at which they started drinking had got earlier and earlier and earlier. 
The global gambling industry is expected to have grown by the end of the year by over 13%. That's a massive amount. And it's because during lockdown, a lot of people decided to have a, have a flutter on online gambling sites. Adult websites in the UK have had 22%, 22% more traffic since lockdown started than they would usually expect to see. You see, all this goes to show that when we're given, when we're given a, a way out of our normal routine, when the distractions of life are, are taken away and suddenly we find ourselves bored, we allow sin to creep in. We're all susceptible to it. You might be think, sitting there thinking, well, I don't drink, I don't gamble and I don't do the other. But that's not the point. As soon as we start thinking, well, it doesn't apply to me, then that's when pride sets in and we set ourselves up for a massive fall. We are all vulnerable to temptation and to falling to sin. If we purposefully take regular time with God and we, 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 we sit before him and we honestly confess our sin to him, then we receive his forgiveness then we receive his grace and his mercy. And the effect that has on us is that, is that we don't want to sin anymore. We, we, can, we have the strength to resist sin, but not, not forever. We need to keep coming back to God. We need to keep coming back to that holy time, that blessed time that he set aside for us, because it's only through his strength, not through our strength, that we can be released of our sinful habits. If we don't do that, then sin takes over. And sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you further than, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And eventually it will lead to destruction. So let's not allow that to happen. Let's make sure that we set aside time to be with God. Let's make sure that we spend as much time with him as we can. But not just not our daily devotionals, not the, the 20 minutes that we that we spend praying each morning or before we go to bed. Although that is vital to our Christian walk. That is important. But Sabbath is setting aside a significant amount of time. Now, of course, if you're anything like me, you don't do that. I don't do that. I'm standing here preaching this message, knowing full well that I don't observe Sabbath on a regular basis because life is so busy, because we all conform to the pattern of the world. We all fail to learn the lesson that God teaches us right at the start of creation, where, where he, he takes a day of rest, a day that he ordains as a holy, blessed day to rest in his presence. We don't do that. And I've been thinking for me personally, well, what can I do to change that? And I work six days a week. I've got a family. On the seventh day, I've got, um, I've got DIY to do. That's not restful. I've got other chores that need to be done. Or maybe we have a day out as a family and I focus on my family. And that's brilliant. And I'm not going to stop doing that. And I wouldn't ask anyone to stop doing that. Family should be, should be very, very important to us. We should spend time with friends and with family and, and, and enjoying life. But maybe on a regular basis, every week, we can start to introduce 
a two-hour block, for example, where we can spend time with God and we can say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to try and make that my Sabbath. I'm going to give you this time. I know it's not what you desire. I know it's not what you want us to do, but it is at least a start. It is at least a step in the right direction. I'm going to discipline myself to be obedient to observing Sabbath. Or maybe if you can afford it, do half a day or a whole day. Maybe once every six months you can give a whole day where you, you, you arrange for someone else to look after the kids or you, you, you get someone in to feed the cat and you leave your phone at home and you can just take yourself away somewhere, somehow eradicate all distractions in the world around you and focus on God and on rest in his presence. You might be thinking, well, I run my own business. If I was to take... If I was to take a day every week, then that's 52 days a year that I can't work. And that's money. Time is money. It just wouldn't work for me. Well, I'll tell you what. If you were to do that, if you were to spend 52 days a year with God, your business would benefit. Your family would benefit. Every theatre of your life would benefit because you would be closer to God. That's not realistic for most of us, to spend one day in every seven purely focusing on God. Because it's just not, it's so far away from, from where we've got to as a, as a society that it just wouldn't work. But we can at least discipline ourselves to spend some time with him. To give some time a week, each week, where we are simply doing nothing other than reading scripture, stopping and listening and spending time with God. That's what Sabbath is. You see, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How do we draw near to the throne of grace? We follow the example of God. You see, we, we're, we're not drawing near. We're simply, we're simply letting God in. He's right there waiting to spend that time with us. It will benefit us. It will benefit us in so many ways to spend more and more time with God. One day in every seven is God's, God's aim for us. That's what he wants us to be doing. One day in every seven, we, 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 we reflect on the work that we've done. We anticipate the work ahead. But in the moment, we focus on God. If we could get there, that would be amazing. But in the meantime, let's at least make sure we set aside something, something that we can call Sabbath in our weekly routine. Because by doing that, by doing that, we'll become closer to God. We'll become more easy to recognise God in the world around us. In fact, we'll be, we'll be closer and closer to, to being those who are described in Matthew 5 verse 8. When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
if we draw near to that throne that the writer of Hebrews speaks about, that we may receive mercy and find grace. That's the process through which we, we are purified, through which we can, we can come to be more and more and more closer to the image of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I just want to finish this morning by sharing something with you when I when I saw the headlines about the return of Strictly Come Dancing this week I was um, I was reminded of um, an RAF ball that Joe and I went to some years ago and um, we're we're very fortunate a a good friend of mine has been in the RAF for many years and we've had many invitations to different RAF um, Christmas balls and there was one in one particular one that we went to um, and it was it was magnificent it was um it was a big RAF base and it was very well attended and clearly it cost a, a, quite a lot of money to put on and it was, it was brilliant. And we went in and we gave in our tickets and um, it was all black tie, lovely meal and, um, and there were different, different rooms with different activities going on and it was really good fun. Anyway, towards the end of the night we found one of the rooms had a silent disco in it. And it was the first time I'd really been to a silent disco. As, as I've said before, I'm not a dancer, so it didn't really appeal. But we walked past this room and it was, it was very quiet and there were just, just people just looking ridiculous, to be honest, because they were dancing to no music. And um, we got given a pair of headphones and went in, put them on, selected a channel. And I stood there and I'll never forget the scene, the scene before me. On one channel, there was some quite heavy rock music being played, and you could tell the people, the people dancing to that, because generally they were just jumping up and down and up and down, and not much else. Um, and then in uh, uh, another one, um, there was, uh, I think it was Sweet Caroline or something being played, and you could tell that because there were people um, who suddenly, in the silence of the room, would ball out the chorus, completely out of time and out of tune with each other, but they were happy. Um, there, in the corner, there was a group of guys doing flaming zambukas. Um, there was a, a couple in a different corner who were um, uh, getting to know one another quite intimately, and um, there were all these different things going on, and the room was, was dark, and there were there was disco lights on and it was it was just a bizarre bizarre scene when you took your headphones off it just it was just really odd but the thing I remember is that on one of the music channels that I tuned into um there was I don't know if it's Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin or some old crooner who was who was smoothly um singing this song and I thought who's listening to that in a room like this come on and then I saw exactly who was listening to that in the chaos of the dance floor, the chaos of everything that was going on in that room, everyone lost in their own little world, listening to their choice of music and, and um, uh, dancing in the way that they interpreted dance should be done. Um, all this was going on and in the middle of the dance floor there was this, this older couple, um, I don't know how old they were, but um, I would guess they were probably 70s, maybe even 80s, and it was a man and wife. And the man looked impeccably dressed in his black tie, um, whilst a lot of those around him by this stage of the night were looking quite dishevelled. And the lady had a beautiful um, uh, ball gown on. And they were standing very closely, arm in arm, and they were just gliding around the dance floor. And somehow, 
everybody around them, no matter how drunk they were or how rowdy they were being, when they sensed this elderly couple coming towards them, they just stepped aside and they let them through. And this couple were just embraced, their eyes were closed, they had their headphones on, listening to the same tune. And they were dancing, and there was no awkwardness, they clearly had danced many, many times before. And they didn't tread on each other's feet or trip each other over, because they had obviously danced so much that they knew exactly where one another's feet were going to be. They knew exactly the, 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 the pattern of the movements they were going to be following. They knew, they knew what they were doing. And it was amazing. It was wonderful to watch these two working in unison together, doing this beautiful thing amid the chaos of the world around them. If we can get into the habit of introducing Sabbath in some form or other, whether it's a whole day or whether it's a one hour block, if we can get into the habit of disciplining ourselves to focus and rest in the presence of God and nothing else, then we too will be able to work in unison with God so closely that people will look at us and say, how do they glide through the chaos of the world around them, dealing with every obstruction, with every hardship, with every challenge, Somehow they don't, they don't panic. Somehow they just deal with it. You see, God wants us to be that close to him. God wants us to know him that intimately. And so the question that we've got to leave with today is, do we want that too? And if so, what are we going to do about it? Father God, I... I thank you for your word. And Father, I ask for your forgiveness for the fact that we have allowed ourselves to conform to the ways of the world. That we have failed to observe the pattern of life that you set out for us right at the beginning of creation. I want you to forgive us, Lord. I ask you to forgive us for the facts that so often we contribute to the chaos around us rather than being in your embrace, gliding through life. Father, we do desire that closeness to you. We do desire that we can rediscover the pattern of life that you want us to live. Father, we do want people to look at us and, and see your image reflected. We do want your goodness and your purity and your love and your grace and your mercy to, to seep out of every pore of our being. And Lord, we know we're a long way from achieving that, but we know that you can achieve anything. And so, Father, this morning we submit ourselves to you. We acknowledge our failings, but we also acknowledge that we were created by you. We were created just a little lower than the heavenly beings. We are crowned with glory. And so, Father, we take pride in who we are because we take pride in who created us, in who made us what we are. 
Lord, we thank you for creation. We thank you for the world around us. And we pray, Lord, that in this coming week, as we go through each day, as we, as we commit ourselves to praying each day for all the different, different topics that, that, we've, that we've chosen to focus on this coming week, Father, we pray that come next Saturday, when the prayer topic is simply Sabbath, Lord, help us to rest in your presence. Help us to set aside time when there is no distraction, when there is nothing corrupting us, there is nothing taking our attention, there is no temptation. We can empty ourselves of all of that and instead make you our sole focus. Father, please help us to achieve that. And please help it not to be a one-off, but something that we can, we can do as often as we possibly can. And we pray for your blessing as we try and do that. Lord, we are your people. We are your creation. And we want to know you intimately. So please be with us and help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.